Hats. Dave, happy anniversary to you, boo-boo. Happy anniversary to you, my sweet darling. Three years. Three Three years years. we've been doing this show. Three years ago uh, this week, we released our first episode with uh, the Cameron Esposito. Um, and, uh, And we've just been rolling once a week ever since. It has been phenomenal. The time has flown. And yet, I feel like I have known you my entire life. Same and same. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we can't celebrate in person, but uh, no. hopefully we will someday. We'll do a live show. Someday soon. We'll do some sort of a live show. I'll Maybe I'll DJ. Maybe we'll, you know, Ooh. recreate Ducky in a, uh, on a sweaty uh. Los Angeles dance floor. And we'll just let our fucking particles and molecules fly and just not even give a fuck. I saw on our friend Michael's Instagram that he went back to to uh, Vauxhall. I have not seen that. Is it yeah, open? I, well, they they do I, have that outdoor space. That, that's what that's what uh, it, it's a very small outdoor space. But. Let me tell you something. When this fucking thing is over, if the Royal Vauxhall Tavern does not survive, I'm going to be furious. I'm going to be furious. The revolution will start. I will throw the first brick. <laughs> At the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Um, happy anniversary. Three years is the leather anniversary. So a harness is coming to you. Oh, yeah. It is the leather anniversary. We were, we were talking about what uh, sort of a new theme uh, as we, you know, we've been on the flesh hunger train and yeah. ushering something in to sort of replace that in honor of the anniversary. And should it be something in a leather realm? Should it be kink? Should we go further that way? But we decided to maybe swing a different direction. We're a little too squeamish for that. Yeah. Um, Since it's anniversaries, since anniversaries are in the air, we want to talk about if, by the way, if you're in a relationship, if you're, uh, even if you're not, if you've had a relationship, if you have had a meet cute, if you've had a romantic comedy meet cute in your life, we want to hear about it. Yeah. To meet somebody special in an interesting uh, way that might show up on a lifetime film. Have you met Q? Exactly. You are the lead in your own rom-com. Mm-hmm. We've all had that moment. So uh, walk us through it. Send us your story. You can record a voice memo. You can write it out and we'll read it on the air and just send it off to uh, homophiliapod at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll read it on the show. Yeah, do it. Yeah. We're shifting gears a little bit because you know what? Our flesh hunger is satisfied. I'm full. Satiated. For now. Absolutely satiated. Um, yeah. I mean, we never, we could come back to it. You just never know. Um, McConkie, how was your week? Oh, just like all the other ones. Thrilled about Kamala, of course. Uh, oh, God, yeah, same. Otherwise, truly unremarkable. Uh, how about yours? Yeah. It's been good. It's been good. You know, it's stasis. We are, you know, circling the same block over and over again. Um, but it's okay. I, I did have... Something I wanted to bring up with you. Oh, um, so okay. So my um, my mom has been cleaning out her place, right? You know, mm-hmm. my dad has passed. She's she's like getting rid of some stuff, and she's also like she's kind of doing that thing where she's like, you know, I'm not going to be around forever, and you know, when I when I pass, y- your sisters in law are going to have a terrible time going through this place and going through everything. Like why it's 
100% my sister's in law. Like, <laughs> why it's their job and I'm not involved and Ben's not involved and my brothers are not involved. I don't know. Like, I can put a China hutch on eBay as well as anyone, <laughs> whatever. Um, but it's like, she's like, oh, I hate to talk about these things, but she brings it up literally every time we speak. And, um, and so, so I keep every week or so, I get a, like a package of like old photographs that she has doubles of or, or just stuff that she wants me to see. It's basically, to quote the Mitch Hedberg joke, it's like, you throw this away, you know? <laughs> sure. So this week she sent a, a giant package, which includes my birth certificate, which is a good thing to have. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, also, every card I ever sent either of my parents uh, for every uh, – for Mother's Day, Father's Day throughout my entire life, including the one that I just sent her for this Mother's Day. So it's like she got it in May. Right. Now it's back to me in August. Real quick turnaround on that. Real quick turnaround on that. Like, can't have a spare piece of paper. Anyway, so now got that. Also, a huge, like a huge, like a ream of paper of when I started writing for Esquire and I and a piece would go up, I would email it to my dad. My dad, not liking to read things on the computer, would print it out. And then read it that way and give it to my mom to read and whatever. Because it's like, if it's in print, then it's a real thing, right? Mm. So she has all of those printouts and sent me a huge stack of articles that I've written. Which, like, again, very nice. But I have them. I definitely don't need them printed out. <laughs> um, but also, this ream of paper, Matt McConkie, she maybe did not go through so carefully. Uh-oh. What else is in there? Well, to my dad, from my oldest brother, who incidentally has listened to Rush Limbaugh from the very beginning, Oof. like died in the wool conservative. Yeah. <clears throat> from oldest brother Holmes to my father and several other people, <clears throat> a message from Bill Cosby. Ooh. Yeah. Which, and I'll just hold this up right here. This is like an early version of a meme. That, as you can see, it's an American flag that says, why the hell should I have to press one for English? Oh, boy. And do we, do we have yeah. a date on this? Um, it's it now. In fairness, it is 2007. OK. But uh, yeah. So then it's a picture of Bill Cosby. Can't blame white people by Bill Cosby. And it's the whole it's the whole thing of like. They're standing on the corner and they can't speak English. Why you ain't? Where you is? Oh, Jesus. What he drive? That kind of thing. I blamed the kid until I heard the mother talk. Yeah. Laid out as though it were beautiful free verse poetry. That, you know, you can't... Mushmouth is what they speak. Oh, Bill. Pages and pages of it. And your brother what was um, sending this to... Like like sending hard copies of this out to people, or or, or this was an email. No, he, he sent. He, and then yeah, he emailed it, it to my dad, and my oh, dad got was it. like, "Oh, I better print this out." And then another one from my dad's most conservative uh, friend. Subject line: Forward, 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 forward. So true. Oh boy. And I, I don't have the heart to even get into that. I don't even have the heart to get into that. So you, this week I got a message that you know you gotta you gotta. You gotta love. You gotta meet people where they are. You, <laughs> you gotta sure love do. people. You gotta. You gotta love the people in your life, even if you don't agree with the things that they print out. Whew. And and uh, yeah, 
Anyway, yeah. So Bill Cosby is the moral arbiter. Not too many years ago. You should mail that back to your brother and just say, it, you know. I should. I should. <laughs> just want to assume this you'd want to have this. poorly. Yeah. This wasn't great when it uh, was said mm-hmm. and written, but even worse yeah. now. Yeah. Um, anyway. So that was that was enjoyable <laughs> for me and no one else. <sighs> um, great show this week. We've got Alex English. Uh, An incredible show this week. A comedian, writer, actor. An incredible show this week. Um, yeah. Before we get to him, should we get into a flesh hunger story? I mean, are you ready? I'm very ready. Uh, this okay. is uh, this is going to be another cold read. Yeah, no, we haven't we haven't read this at all. Okay, do you want to start? Should I start? What do you want to do? You start. I'll start. Okay. Here's the story of my first time. I didn't want to send an audio version because I hate the sound of my voice. If that is not the quintessential gay male dilemma, I don't know what is. That was my editorializing there. I was a senior in high school. I was sitting with my best friend on the band bus coming home from a football game a couple hours away. Band bus also fairly sure. Uh, regular gay male mm-hmm. conundrum. Had no idea he was gay. I didn't even really know if I was gay. I honestly had never even thought about it. It was pretty late. So most of the people on the bus were asleep. I had a pretty big sweatshirt that I was using as a blanket. Then my friend took part of it to cover his lap. I had my shoes off and my leg was crossed toward him. Suddenly he put my foot up to his, you know, and it was very, you know, Ooh. uh, I was taken aback a bit, but it was also very curious, so I kept it there. I felt it up a bit with my foot. Then I started using my hand. It felt huge! He reached over and had a turn at mine before I got too nervous and stopped it. Matt McConkie, take the baton, please. Once we got back to our school, he asked if he could spend the night at my place. We got home, and I slept on my bed while he took a spot on the floor. After laying for a bit, he asked me to come visit him on the floor, where one thing very quickly led to another. Once I came, the guilt took over. I thought I was going to be sick. I ran to the bathroom. I dry heaved a bit, but never vomited. Eventually, I felt a little better. So I went back to my room and laid next to him until we both somehow fell asleep. After that, we were like rabbits, sneaking behind our friends' backs to make out or screw. We didn't skip school to do it. We did everything. Really wish I could go back and do it all again. Good times from Matt in Chicago. Matt from Chicago, breaking barriers on the band bus. Uh, I wonder, and then being overwhelmed with guilt. And uh, and also kind of a nice segue, because in a way, that was a meet-cute. It was a bit of a meet-cute. I like that. I like that. It was a, uh, a meet-cute in the horn section. Uh, yeah, send us your meet-cutes. Also, please leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, as silly as it sounds, it really helps us get the word out to new listeners mm-hmm. it's there's algorithms involved i don't understand it um d4f2t6 left us a five-star review yes. saying bitch sesh was the gateway drug that led me to this podcast loved matt as a guest on there and was thrilled when he was paired up with dave who i've enjoyed since his vj days thank you person whose name is too complicated to say quickly uh i love the chats and life updates and of course the interviews are great this podcast is literally the only thing i miss about my commute now that i work from home thank you for continuing to listen even from your home we love you, D4 up to T6. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And please, 
uh, please do leave us a review uh, if it's good. Um, Alex English is so unbelievably charming and funny that I want to uh, move to New York so I can be his best friend. Absolutely. And, and but we should work. You know, we had some uh, technical issues, some audio issues in this. So there might be some delays here and there. But yeah. he's so charming and wonderful that it truly was seamless and did not matter. Um, yeah. And you'll uh, barely notice. You'll barely notice. Um, but hopefully we'll get with him in person one of these days and uh, yes. do it all over again. But in the meantime, he's a, he's a writer. He's written for National Lampoon Radio Hour and The Fix and The Rundown. And as an actor, he's been on High Maintenance and Brooklynification and the National Lampoon Radio Hour. This is Alex English. Folks, we are here with Alex English. We hit the ground running and realized we weren't recording. I mean, we got into the Zoom and just immediately started talking. There was so much gold just left on the field. Um, can we repeat the whole conversation we had? Before? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, I will just reveal to the listener, you'll see this when, when you see the picture, but uh, Alex is in front of a, a beautiful brick wall as though he's about to do you know, a tight eight at the Comedy Cellar. And, uh, <laughs> he has a tight eight right now. um what is a day in a life in quarantine for you right now for me it has been a fortunate mess okay what time what time are we getting up start from the beginning so on a good on a really good productive i'm gonna get everything i'm gonna achieve the day i'm gonna seize the day we're talking eight o'clock. Okay. Seven thirty is is um is reaching for a goal. Like, oh, we're doing push-ups, we're doing sit-ups, we're gonna take a run around the block. That's mm-hmm. when I'm feeling inspired. Now, I'm not perfect. So I do have like trash days. Like I do have <laughs> days when I may have ordered McDonald's one or twice. Mm-hmm. Or- and I'm, you know, and, and then I wake up wondering why I really can't get anything done the next day, you know, hitting myself. It's in the self-care. Head, but fixing it the next day, not letting it repeat. Just when, when you have days like that, just recognize it as that was the day that that year mm-hmm. just yeah. it was a block. There's a block right. and get over it and then eat a salad, drink a lot of water the next day. Don't drink yes. anything. Don't smoke anything. So I give my, I allow myself days when I'm like, you know what? Cheat on life. Cheat on life and just go crazy and then come back and live a few days healthy. Of course. <laughs> Very smart. Very what smart. Kind of you you must let the shame snowball. You know? I would I would only recommend that for myself and those who can relate. I don't recommend it for everyone else, but it has helped me. <laughs> and we're, I guess we're about 3.30 your time recording. What, what yeah. kind of day has today been so far? It's been a busy one. Um, when I said, and this, this goes back to me calling it a fortunate mess because I still have been like allowed or been, I have like work. Like a lot of comedians right now, stand up wise, a lot of us lost a lot of work in March. I mean, I was in February, I was on the road 
I was in Boston, I was in Philadelphia, I went to DC, I went back to Boston, and I did all of that traveling on a Greyhound before wow. COVID. So <laughs> Lord knows what I was walking around with, traveling up and down oh the seaboard, you know? <laughs> but I'm fine, we're good. Okay. Um, good. But, you know, I was supposed to do South by Southwest in the middle of March and that got canceled. So that was a big gig that I was like super hyped about. I had never been to Texas before. And I was like, you know, excited to finally get to perform at that particular festival and it went away. And I had like college dates and so, all of these different things, like the schedule just throws you off. But fortunately for me, I've been able to like work. I'm working on, I'm doing something right now on Twitch with T-Pain. So I've like, I got like a summer oh, wow. job. So it was a very fortunate mess for me. You know, I recognize it was not easy for a lot of people. It was not easy for me because I was like, oh, I don't know what my summer's getting ready to look like. I may need to move back to Michigan. I don't know. <laughs> right. But right when, right, you know, everything fell in line for me. I'm just really grateful. That it, that it did. What's happening with T Pain? So this T Pain is um he he's he's on Twitch regularly. He's like a regular Twitch user. Uh, he plays video games. He streams all this stuff online. I had never spent a second on the app prior to this. And you know I got a I got an email and was like you know T Pain he already has this platform on Twitch. He has his general platform, but then he's on Twitch. Um, he wants to do a show that incorporates gaming and comedy. It's the Crown Channel on Twitch, and it's ran by mm -hmm. Amazon. And so they have this big following of people, and they're trying to incorporate more comedy into gaming and do more fun things. Be very, it's very experimental. Uh, and right now, I'm on a show called Two Joysticks on the Couch. And it's basically like comedy with gaming. So T-Pain is playing video games with another f funny comedian or a famous gamer on Twitch, and they're they're interacting and the gaming that would usually take place on any Twitch channel that's just streaming of two people playing a video game gets interrupted on our show with sketch comedy attempted by people in their living rooms with green uh, green screens behind. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're doing that. And I am, my job is the chat moderator. So I'm not necessarily in the cast doing sketches, but as the chat, there's a live feed of people coming in and I get to have mm -hmm. fun with them and interact with T-Pain. So yeah, we're we've been we're three episodes in, and that's been fun to do. But you know, that's my little summer gig that I got to you know that I got to get post unemployment. So yeah, very happy. I'm very happy. No, I'm just it sounds like a great gig. Oh God, you have no idea. I'm thankful for everything. <laughs> and were you a gamer at all before this? The last time I played a video game, man, I it was a PlayStation Two. And it was like The Rock was still wrestling, and Tony Hawk <laughs> Pro Skater too. That's the kind of you can't tell me you can't. I'm Super Smash Brothers '64. That's as far as my like capacity was. Eventually, I just kind of grew up and like you know. I think <sighs> the gamer is still in me. It's still in me. But once like I came out of the closet and stuff, I just got busy. You know, yeah. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> when you get when you come out of the closet and you start feeling yourself and become more comfortable, your schedule just piles up, and you really don't have time for a uh, video game like that. You like, can't there's other home. games to be playing. When you're in the closet, you have nothing but video games. You have nothing. Yeah. You have to stay at home <laughs> and commiserate. You know. <laughs> yeah, but when you're Alex English, fresh out of the closet, <laughs> fresh as Daisy, no, you got to be out there. You got to give the yeah, people. Yeah, I was. What they want. I was booked. Yeah, I was booked after that. 
Um, what are you watching in quarantine? What, what are, what's on your um, binge list right now? So I watch TV so oddly. I used to be someone that watched TV all the time, like as a kid. And now the way, I think the way that television has changed, has changed my watching habits. Like I really, if I'm going to watch something, it's something that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm going to revisit it. A lot of TV series. So like a lot of, I've been, I got Disney Plus. First of all, yes, for Beyonce. But then second, second to watch The Simpsons. My friends told me that The Simpsons you can get on. I was like, oh, okay. I'm sold on that. That's all you got to tell me. So I've been watching a lot of The Simpsons, like just revisiting all of the old episodes. Currently, um, that's new. Um, I May Destroy You. Oh, it's phenomenal, right? I love it. I have it. I'm, I'm behind by like two episodes. But thus far, it's just very well written. I've been a big fan of Michaela uh, Quill uh, since both Chewing Gum. So, I, you know, I really enjoy... Her work a lot and i think the cast is excellent um yeah i can't wait to catch up yeah and um there's another show um called it's on netflix and i think it's fairly new it's called love on the spectrum i've heard about this okay so i was hesitant going into watching the show because i was like oh no this is gonna be based on the premise, I was like, this is going to exploit these people, and I don't want to like laugh at people because of any physical or mental challenges, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I got into episode one, and you know what? I was uncomfortable, but they it's not exploitive because if they had someone, it's basically like you, you, they have they, they document a handful of people, and every all of these people uh, are on the spectrum, they you know, they, they deal with Asperger's syndrome and like things like that. Um, Down syndrome, like there are a lot, there are a lot of different like types of people in different er- elements of the spectrum, and it's very well represented. And they're all dating one another, like they're finding and interviewing these people. But they're not. It would be different if they were going out and dating people who do not have these these issues or these or these or these challenges. I think it would be far more exploitive. We get to watch them interact with one another, and I'll say this. I grew up with an uncle with Down syndrome, and so I got to see some of like the, like I I was familiar with a lot of like the nuances to a lot of these people's like backstory. Along with that, these are some of it reminded me these are some of the most confident people mm-hmm. I have ever seen. They actually I, I I've I finished watching that show thinking you know I think I'm the one with the challenge. I'm the one, especially when it comes to dating. Like they, 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 they converse with one another and it's literally like, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. Okay, let's eat. What do you like? Do you like, it's all because they don't subscribe to the societal norms of a conversation that we think. Oh, I just lost your sound. Did you lose me? Oh no. Yeah. I just for a second, but you're back. Just for a moment. They they don't subscribe to the, the same sort of like conversational norms forms of communication so they getting stuff done and what i also realized they don't they don't like any 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 heartbreak because there is there are moments it's very uncomfortable to watch because they they say oh you know what i don't think we're compatible to each other's face they don't call or wait the next day or we'll see each other again they, they will eventually say you know what i think we're better just friends or that's not really what i like and 
the other person will express sadness. They'll go to a loved one. You'll see them with the, with a friend or a mother or a brother or a friend, and they'll say, "Yes, I'm sad, but you know what? I'm gonna. I'll, I'm sure I'll find someone." And, and, and like I had to listen to. It. I'm like, "Oh wow!" They, and you know what? There are even some. There's this one straight guy, and looking, he's just like any other straight guy. He's like, "I want a model, and I need her to have big boobs." And, he, and I'm like, oh, look, they can be delusional, too. Even like, <laughs> yeah, he has no the full, full spectrum. And so what I, a beautiful I, message. Yeah, I really finished watching it with like a deeper understanding about how, like, you know, romantically different kinds of people can still, you know, and you learn something from them. Because I'm like, look, yeah. we, we complain about the ex. The, the, every stand up comedian talks about, you know, how we're single and we can't date and you meet the ex and like, you know, you talk about the ex and everything's work. like, they don't, they do not focus. So they are straight, straight and narrow. Like, okay. On to the next one. I got yeah. it. Okay. It, well, I'm sold on this now. It's a, it's a, I think it's a really good watch. If you can get through like the discomfort of seeing people like really call, like communicate how they feel without any second thought in a dating situation. Yeah. It's, 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 it's something. May I ask, is is your uncle still with us uh, with uh, Down syndrome? How, how is he during the lockdown? I have a cousin with Down syndrome, and he's the one I think about because they're so social. Yeah, I think um, you know what this like my this is my father's side of the family, and I, I definitely have the last time I saw them was during Christmas because I haven't been home okay. to visit anyone, so I don't I don't have like an official update on like what he's what, but I'm based on the way that my family. Has taken has taken care of him, and the way that he's like been protected and kind of like I'm without a doubt he's fine. Like okay. I'm sure that he's good because our family has been through so many different transitions, especially on my dad's side of the family with like people people dying that were his caretakers. So now he's kind of being like passed around and like given to the next family member who's who's viable to like to take care mm-hmm. of him. So right. based on that pattern I've recognized, I think I'm pretty sure he's perfectly fine. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. When you were uh, young Alex English, who, as you said, was watching TV all the time, what <laughs> what stuff were you watching? What was your go-to? Well, the early years were just all Nickelodeon. And then once television became more, once I got older, television television became more mature so, you know, I was doing a lot of, you know, uh, late night flicking on uh, Queer as Folk. That was the show okay. when I was like 11. Yeah, like 11, 12 years old. Aww. So I was flicking back. But, I, but, you know, my mom would show up and I would have Nickelodeon on the other channel. Press last real fast. Yes. But, but I did fall asleep a lot on the show. And she would come out and find me watching Skinamax. And like, <laughs> you know, it's like... They were, they were, I was dumb. I was dumb with it. I was never, I always tell my mama, you know, I really was never really trying to hide it. You know, I, obviously if I was that, if I was really trying to hide it. I would have did a better job. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was a cartoon. I was a cartoon dude. Like I watched a whole lot of like, I didn't really grow up with any like restrictions on what I couldn't watch. I was just like, you know, by the time I got to like middle school, end of high school, uh, beginning of high school, I was a big Degrassi. Degrassi was my story. Oh. And this is this was this was a uh, Drake Drake's era of Degrassi. That's where I come from. So I was definitely like I knew I knew uh, wheelchair Jimmy before everybody. Yeah. 
So like, yeah, that was that was that was my those were my stories. That was my soap opera, and I, you know, none, you of, none, of, the straight, none, of, none of the straight boys, because you know I also played sports, but none of the straight boys really wanted to talk to me about Degrassi. But I always had the gals, the girls who watched. I was like, yeah, let's, uh, you know, how do y'all feel about? And still, I was still trying to convince them that I did not like me. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> <laughs> and were you, you all wasted energy? I had all of the gossip for Degrassi. That was our housewives, and I was still like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't call me gay. That's not me. <laughs> and if you could see video of, of of high school you now, would you? Did you? Uh, did you I would stop going up on the spectrum so I can be comfortable again. That's what. I, I would I would I would cry and ball up into a shell of myself if I had to watch myself operate between the ages of ten to shit. How old am I? Ten to twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> so deeply firmly in the closet and also and 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 people mostly believe it or how are you being like perceived? I truly don't believe. I was just having this conversation with my mom the other day. I was like, "Was I really fooling you?" Like, uh, like when I came out, I, everybody was like, "Yeah, Alex, we, we kind of." I'll never forget one time my auntie said to somebody who was making fun of me. She was like defending me with a good, honest heart. You know, I was younger. She was like, "My um, my nephew ain't gay. He just watch a lot of music videos. Leave him alone." <laughs> <laughs> And I did. <laughs> I did. Big sure. music video for to this day, still. So, you know, but hearing all of that, they're just like, y'all knew yeah. what was going on with me. Like the thing, you know what you know what it was for me though? The problem for me was I had a good problem. Cause I didn't I didn't really like lose any friends. I know a lot of times like people came I didn't have like the the coming out story, the tragic one. And it makes, I feel a little guilty because, you know, a lot of my friends be like, yo, man, my parents just wasn't having it. Now, my parents had their reservations. You know, I come from a religious household. So, yeah, we, it wasn't all happy, happy, good, good. Okay, yeah, you, he, we going to the prior parade for you, Alex. No, we weren't doing that. But, like, socially, a lot of my friends just kind of were like, all right, Alex. Um, but, yeah, for me, it was just like, it was very, and I still wanted to, participate in life even out so I still wanted to be with the boys like I still wanted to play basketball I still wanted to be but I had to but what I didn't realize was wanting to do that I still was subject to the things that you would hear like the snide remarks and the insults and the f-bombs and all of that you know calling you know something like but I still stuck around for it so oddly I just always and then I found my gay friends you know that was the hard part for me because like, I, fa- I have a gay best friend. I have one of them. But I never, like, found, like, a large network of, like, until I moved here. Like, I now I have more. But it, I really had to branch out because there, I've, my life has been nothing but straight men in my life. Very minimal women. You know, there is a stereotype that, like, gay men, when they come out, they're like, look, back in the day, the, the thought was, oh, he was raised around a whole bunch of women. So if he was around uh, aunts and it, nothing but the most savage shit talking black men you will ever meet in your life. And they didn't care. They were like, yeah, we know our nephew a little funny acting. Like that's how they call it. He a little funny acting. He don't play football, but he like basketball. So that's fine. He, they were just fine. They were fine. So it's like, my experience has always been very like, 
oh, gay is just comical because they just laugh it off. Right. <laughs> everybody just thinks it's a joke. So I'll just have everybody love me because that's the funny part to me. <laughs> as, as long as that doesn't make you feel, it, you know. I don't know. I, there, I've, I've also ran into people who try to make me, of course, you're going to run. That's every, I think that's everybody's experience in America, at least like. If you're gay in in America, especially if you're like black or whatever, you're gonna. But I think gay in general, like I don't have anything to do with race. Everybody gets picked on. There's homophobia in every community, every single last one. But how I dealt with it was like, oh, oh well, I just don't have to talk to you anymore. And if you try to attack me physically, I'm from the D, homie. Like we look, I still know how to fight. So the minute you, the minute we try to get physical, like oh, look, but I'm not, I'm no longer like that, y'all. Like I, I let go, I let go of those ways. I use my words. Until words are not used on me. <laughs> <laughs> now you take it to the stage. You see how the Detroit came out real quick, though. The Detroit slipped out, you know, but I've tried to, like, okay, you can't go back, Alex. Like, that's not, we don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it, I've, I've, I, I am aware that there is a generation that came of age that had their formative years during mm. the time of Queer as Folk, but I've never yeah. talked to one. So this is fascinating for me to know. Yeah. I, how did what did you expect from the actual gay world from watching that show i thought it was white i thought it was all white yeah like my my that's interesting that is so the reason why seeing yourself is very important like if you're if you are a child or even a person that watches television because you will if you're not in i'm from detroit now i have a very like different background because like I did, I, I am born and raised in Detroit, which is like a very black city. And I went to black schools, but there was a moment in my life when I did go to a school that was integrated with a bunch of different kids, white kids, Indian kids, Asian kids, like so many different types of children. So that was my first experience with it. However, I was there from first grade to uh, like the middle of third grade. And so it was during a time where my mother was like getting her degree and coming back to move to Detroit. So we were living in a part of Michigan that was more diverse than Detroit. Now I get back to Detroit. I've been around all this beautiful, this utopia of like white kids. I know how to communicate with them. I'm having fun, but I go back and I'm back in these all black middle schools in the middle of third grade until, and there's like a, a deprogram. Because the, Mm-hmm. 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 You, you know every time it happens. <laughs> you know. <laughs> We're I, I'm learning. I'm going to catch it now. But I'm getting, I'm getting picked on not because of whatever mannerisms they think I have because I'm gay. Because I, my personality was formed a little bit differently because of the kids that I was around. And when you take a kid out of that environment, we moved around a lot when I was younger. Me, me and my mom. So now I'm like, oh, I have to like re- like kind of re, re, reposition myself into what being black, you know, when I really didn't encounter anything exceedingly traumatic back in those times. So watching Queer as Folk, fast forward to when I'm a teenager, I'm like, oh, gay is very white. It's a white guy thing. And, I, and it wasn't like I wasn't attracted to any of the men on the show. I just had to sit there and say, when you're young, you're like, okay, then black men aren't gay. So then it's like, <laughs> so then it's like, but it, it's, you, you, you feel that way until you get to high school and you meet that other kid that has a little, you know, something to, that 
sometimes they might that might end up being your rival. I will admit, my best friend and I did not like one another in the tenth grade. No, he got there in the eleventh grade, and I I had been in my high school since ninth grade, and he came in with a car, and he he felt. I was like, look at this bitch, Justin. Like, he, yeah. like, like no, 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 you got to put your time into this school to be the gay. Like, I am the gay. Like, you- <laughs> Come on my turf, Justin. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let him make sure he listens to this too. This is how I felt all all along. Yeah. <laughs> like, but but eventually you look at each other and like socially something happens and you know just one moment takes place and you're like, oh, we the same bitch. Like we are the we the same. We're going through the same thing. There's really no reason for us to be at odds. And so we've been best friends since. And um, but that was the first gay friend that I made because up until then I was like, man, I'm the only one. Like, and it, But then you learn, like I'm 31 now and hella people have come out of the closet. I'm like, oh, oh, welcome, welcome. Oh, wow, you're here? Fantastic, I didn't, you know, that's, that's just how it happens. Sure. But, but queer, yeah, I, you know, but, but then God bless, God bless Patrick Ian Polk who created uh, Noah's Ark because then it was like, oh, wow, look, we are gay. <laughs> and we're different types of gay. We're different shades of gay. Like, I just, you know, I, I got I learned a lot, you know, I think some of my, like, uh, sensibilities for what I watch have a lot to do with Queer as Folk and, and, and Noah's Ark. And, like, those, those were my, like, sex in the city. <laughs> right, right. But it I has... Relate to the queerest folk thing, though. You know, I can still relate to the dialogue and kind of like understand it a little bit. I was also like 12, 13 years old, so uh-huh. I could only understand it to an extent. Right. I watch it completely differently now, I'm sure. <laughs> right. And so once you sort of got out into the world, did it match up with what you expected? Somewhat. I think um, by the time I got to college, I, I, I went to Central Michigan University, which is predominantly white institution. But like I did, you know, there was also a lot of black people I could surround myself with and other types of people as well. So it wasn't it wasn't completely, completely that way. Um, right. I did still spend, even though I was out, I still in college, I was still a little like uncomfortable. So there was this period of college where I was just like, my business is my business, and I'm not telling anyone my business. You know, even I even went as far as I hooked up with a woman in college during my junior year, just to kind of. I was always like, "Do I still have it? You know, let me see if I still got it." And you know, I bagged, I bagged her, but I didn't. But it just, it was just bad. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Good. It was just like, oh, the girl. I I don't even think I inserted. I don't know. I don't even think I penetrated. I was like, girl, I was asleep. I was really just being wingman to my friend who had a girl who was with it. He was like, well. No, none of my other homeboys are here, so I guess I got to take the gay one who trying to act straight, I guess. Come on. <laughs> he so pity on me. And so I played my role. I'm a great actor, in case y'all didn't know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I, played, I, played, I played it straight. We had a great time. And, well, I did somewhat, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, I, my experience is, like, I go, I, I go back to Detroit because Detroit is such a black, it's, it's a largely black neighborhood. So my experience with um, like black and gay and fine and seeing that identity had a lot, it had less to do honestly with television and more of what I saw when I actually was allowed to like go out. Like 
there was a there's a club in Detroit. It's called the Woodward, and it's a gay nightclub, and it serves like gay, mostly gay, gay black men. I think all are welcome. I'm sure, but gay black men mostly make up the population of the club, and it's 18 and up. So mm-hmm. when you have an 18 and up club where you do enforce the drinking to 21, but 18 can join. There's a lot of mixing and mingling going on there with like 18 year olds and you're like putting like 40 year old men in the same room and then everyone in between, you know? Um, So you're allowed to go to this bar. And I was 18. December the 16th. (laughs) Yep, there it is. You were 18, so, but... I'm, my birthday is late in December, so I was always, like, a little bit ahead in age than the people I started school, that I was in school with. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, think of it this way. I was the only one allowed to... All of my friends, my like, my friends that are gay at this point are going scrambling, finding uh, fake IDs to get into this bar. And I'm, I can get in with no problem. But I'm the only person with a, with a curfew. So, mm. so I'm in the club. We wait in line. They trying to find a person to get the ID. They struggling. We get in the club. By the time we get in, I can only be in there for like 10 minutes. <laughs> well, so, so you adhere to the curfew? Yes. Oh, well, mm, my mother, I'm not, don't get me to lie in, Matt, because my mother will have my head. <laughs> no, but, um, but that club, so that club really showed, because it showed me so many types of men. It showed me. It, it introduced me to what types of men I like. At the, what I what I said like, oh this, I like that guy. That look is I don't like that look. But you know, it, there were so many different personalities that I had never met before. And there is a community. There's like a gay black community. Is it the most harmonious community? Absolutely not. <laughs> I I fell victim to a couple street fights that I could that I could talk about for hours. <laughs> had a very had a very troubled past with my community it was very frictional mm. once you get drama involved i mean you really could have re- you could you could have documented a whole reality show i could tell you characters to this day that i couldn't write myself that i came in contact and uh, <laughs> there it is. you came in contact with yeah i you know i just came in contact with so many different types of me and yeah. And so that that allowed me to have some perspective going into my adulthood, into college, coming to New York. Um, but moving here was what I was like, oh, wow. Now, not only are there black men here, there are other men, too. They're white men. They're Asian. Like, oh, wow, I can really go out and, like, really do my thing. Now I don't have to be limited to just one particular type of person. But at home, I definitely did because that's all I saw. Right. And, and these years before you go to New York, are you dating at all? I, before, so post-college, I moved, I moved to New York like months. Actually, um, what is today? The six, this is the eight, this is the eight, today is eight years that I've been living here. Wow. And so, moved, thank you. I moved, I'm, I left, I left school in May, 2012 and I moved to New York. I moved back home during the summer, which was not good for anyone. We were arguing. My parents were like, this is something, something has to be done. Um, and, and things happened and family, like family friends were reached out to. I was only supposed to visit here for a week, but I didn't tell anyone. 
and I booked a one-way Greyhound ticket. I sold my car. I sold I sold a computer that I had got from school. It was janky, so I could have I sold it for cheap. And um, mm-hmm. I sold my Frank Ocean tickets. That it was channel it was Channel Orange tour Frank Ocean tickets. I sold them so I could have all the money I could to move here. Um, but it was but it was good for me because he ended up getting sick. He ended up getting sick and couldn't make he make the day I found out. So look. That was that was wow, that was great. you missed nothing. <laughs> and by the time the person who had the tickets wanted to get their money back, I was already on the road to New York. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we got here. I was supposed to visit for just a week, but I was like, I know that if I come here and only just see, I, I know I'm going to want to stay here. I know I'm going, to, I'm going to be mad that I didn't at least try to stay here if I don't even like give it, give it the, the attempt. I had never visited here before. I had never, my only, only, the only thing, knowledge I had of New York was MTV and the Today Show. Right. And so like my mother- So you knew you could scream at a window. I, I know I could at least, right. I know I could at least, when I was on the F train, I could see it said Rockefeller Center. I'm like, okay, that's a place I've heard of and familiar with. So until I learned this system, every time you got to go somewhere, you're getting off at Rockefeller. <laughs> I would, like, I would like pass the stop that I needed to get on. Just because, all right. That's, that's the place to recalibrate. Like, hey, like, no, Alex, there's like 13 other stops when you get into Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> so but, talk, um, how yeah. did you, how did you do it? Talk me through the mechanics of moving to New York in secret. I, I spent one day sightseeing like people thought I was supposed to be doing for the whole week. I spent one week kind of seeing what the city was and then I printed off a bunch of copies of my resume and like just gave them to every restaurant with a sign. I was on Craigslist all day trying to figure out what to do. And um, I ended up getting a coffee shop job and I was wet. So for a moment I was at uh, Dallas BBQs in Times Square. Now, he was not ready to hire me. He was saying all this time, like, you don't have New York experience. But I was like, I have restaurant experience from Michigan. I used to wait tables all the time in school. I was like, no, it's not the same. And I, like, something just hit me. I don't know what made me say this. But I was like, sir, I've been walking around Times Square, and I see nothing but people from Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, Missouri. I know these people. I've, I'm from Michigan. I've had experience with Times Square. And he was like, he thought about that shit for a second. He was like, oh, all right, I guess I got to give you the job. You make the perfect point because yeah. no one from New York is going <laughs> yeah. there. Times Square is Midwest. That's who you're serving. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> I know how to put some chicken fingers on a place, sir. Give me this damn job. <laughs> so then you have a job. You have a place to stay. I had, two, I had two jobs. So I had very like weird hours during the day. A, a family friend of mine to my stepfather's whom had never met me. She was the one welcoming me. She said, come on. She has a spot. She had been living here for like 15 years at this time. And she told me, you know, my, my son is away at school. You can sleep in his room. She made me feel more than welcome. Great. And I was having these weird hours though. And she paid attention to that. Also, she paid attention to how much I, uh, I packed. She started saying things like, oh, you packed it. And I wasn't saying anything to anyone. So she was like, you packed a lot for a short stay. And so I was just trying to like do it as seamlessly and quietly as possible. I didn't want to make too much noise, but my parents were starting to get frustrated because after the week had started to like, and they weren't hearing any plans of me, the week had started to close and they weren't hearing any plans of me returning. 
So eventually I was like, I don't know why I felt like I could just drag this out. I'm still making money. I'm still saving money to be able to find a spot. I explained all of that to her. And she was like, she called my mom and she was like, he obviously wants to stay. I can't, he got a job, first of all. So he he has a job and anybody who was doing all of that, instead of like goofing off doing whatever else they could do, obviously wants to stay. And so no one could argue with that. And so she gave me like the month. She was like, go ahead. And like, you know, she made me very comfortable. And I got up out of there. So then, then comedy came. <laughs> so you were doing comedy how, at this point. Yeah. I was, I was doing a lot. I was working in Hell's Kitchen. So I was doing a lot of restaurant jobs and like right, right, uh, serving coffee shops. I was just saving up as much money as I could. And during one of my restaurant gigs, there, I had a coworker. She was doing stand-up at the time. And she had told me that she was doing an open mic um, at Broadway Comedy Club which is in the Hell's Kitchen area. So I was I was like, okay, I'll go with you. Um, and so I'll go with her, and it's like a two-drink minimum. So I'm like, okay, I got to go in here and drink. And, like, she's going on stage. And it's, like, literally nobody in the audience but, like, me and, like, a handful of people who were also going on stage. This is how I would describe it, not knowing or understanding comedy before I started. And so I two drinks in after work in my uniform, just kind of, like, chilling, watching her do her thing. And she tells me, she's like, uh, I signed you up. I'm like, you signed me up for what? So this is an open mic. You can sign up. I'm like, okay, open mic, but what am I going to do? He's like, are you going to tell jokes? You be having me cracking up at work all the time, Alex. I'm, I, I think you can do this. I'm like, just because I'm cracking jokes at work don't mean, you know, I was, now, the crazy part is that I was, I, I've always been a fan of stand-up. I've watched comedy since I was a kid. My parents, my family, my uncles and aunties, they all used to get together and watch Def Jam and the Queens and the Kings of Comedy. So I'm very familiar with comedy. I just never knew. You know, I went to school for communications. I went to school with a very basic, like, I, I thought I was going to be a journalist, but you know what? I was like, you know what? This ain't really for me because I got kicked out of my school paper in, uh, in college because I referred to, like, this, like, all-white fraternity gathering as, like, the, uh, a boat shoe, boat shoe convention. And they didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like right it's, it, the time is good like you hit the punchline and then it yeah. for a minute the school, like, <laughs> we're just holding for laughs the school news the, the college newspaper dropped me because you know they was like we can't have you know jokes no room for jokes in journalism Alex but the school magazine was like Alex you can come they embraced me and was like you know what crack all your jokes write all your jokes there and we'll let you do your thing you'll have your own little column so oh, I had a column you know in, in college and so, but I, and I also had like public speaking classes that I had to take as a requirement in school. And I had, I would always try to incorporate humor in, in them. Cause I, once someone told me that that was the way to like give a speech and the best way to deliver a message, I was like, okay, I'll do that. And my professors would always like pat me on the back about how much I had to, the classroom laughing. So I wasn't like a, I wasn't a clown in class until like I could use it when I had the room's attention, when I was allowed the attention of the room. Right, um, right. But I just never knew. I never, comedy, entertainment, being an actor, any of those things, I was just always like, that's unattainable to me. Like, I don't know what any of that, I don't even know how you would start, but I was being given the opportunity to start right here. And, you know, I was drinking. So I was like, okay, what am I, yeah, I can get up here. I don't know these people. I can get off stage and not come back. But I don't remember what I said at all. But the person no. guy who ran the room said, you were so funny. I was like, I can't tell. There was like six people in here and half the room. Was like, he's like, don't worry about them. They're all comedians. 
they all just trying to get, get their stuff up. They're not listening. But you, I think you could do this. And so he kept inviting me back to this same open mic. And since that, I started doing a bunch of the open mics in the scene. I got busier actually with comedy as like I started progressing and learning more over the years. And so much to where I was like starting to a, a, like a, like acquire a schedule. Like people were starting to ask me to do things around the city out of nowhere. I would get like Facebook messages. I was doing a lot of my work off of Facebook at the time. I was I didn't I didn't have like an official email or a website or anything like that. I was just getting up there. And I wasn't even talking about being gay yet. Like, I was still nervous. <laughs> it took me, like, three years in to, like, 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 man, I'm running out of stuff to, like, joke about. Because I'm talking about, like, news stuff. But I didn't really give a damn about, like, the news that much to make jokes about it. But I had opinions. And I was like, well, maybe I should start talking about being gay. Because I was out. I'm in New York. I'm hooking up with dudes. I'm experiencing all this different stuff. You know, moving here for the first time. I should have, like, some material since I'm living and working in the city, what should I, what should I be doing? And I just like, I asked a lot of comedians, a lot of advice, you know, along the way. And so they just kind of, once they noticed that I had like a, a general, a genuine, like, oh, I'm starting to like get the hang of my, I'm getting, getting better at this. You know, I'm bombing a bunch. Oh, for a good amount of time, no laughs. <laughs> Even when the gay stuff bombed, I've, I've been in rooms, I've bombed in front of straight people. I'm like, yo, this feels like I'm getting gay bashed. <laughs> <laughs> but you push but you through. Get but you get better. Hmm? You pushed on through. You pushed through. And like, so eventually, you know, I just started getting, like, just getting better, learning more every year. And then being able to write on television for the first time. I didn't even know that that was something. That was an avenue you could go down. Every single year, something I had to learn differently, both about New York about the business of comedy, about writing jokes, you know, actually writing a joke and what's the difference between being on stage and giving a full set or just getting up there and telling random little things that can just be thrown away, not memorable, like things that are thoughtful. So I'm just like, now that's where I am, trying to make stuff more thoughtful and like have a point of view that's like unlike someone else's. So that's been the process for the past eight years. That got started doing that. I got started doing stand-up in October of the same year when I moved here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Almost the this, eighth year anniversary of that. This is, this story is, it's, it, it's, it's Tales of the City. Have you seen the original Tales of the City? Yeah. Yes. You fully pulled a Marianne Singleton, went, went away on vacation and then called your folks, not coming back. You're, yeah. you, you got a marvelous Mrs. Mizell kind of introduction to stand-up comedy. Yeah. What, yeah. what I'm saying is we need to get your story on television. Man, sometimes, because, like, I, I feel like once once I open myself up more to, because I, I, I think weeks before I moved to New York, my mother had me in front of Pastor Marvin Winans. She, there was an ambush emergency, like, let's see if the pastor talks to him, his life will change. It was that time. Pastor Marvin Winans is very, of the, of the Winans family, very, very, very close with my family. And so she, my mom is a member of the church and you know, she, she was, she, she tricked me is what she did after Bible study. She wanted me to come back to to church that evening and just talk to, to Pastor Winans to kind of just, but it was, it was tricking me. She thought she left something there. So we're like walking into this side door and, and like, I'm just sitting there in his office. I'm in Marvin Winans office. 
and my mom is just sitting there getting emotional. I'm like, what is happening? And he comes in. And so I've got this man in a long purple robe with rings on practically every finger looking at me, telling me that being gay is wrong. I was like, sir, <laughs> you look like a wizard from Harry Potter right now. What are we talking about? <laughs> I am just down right now. I'm I don't know. I don't order. You know, I don't want to assign anybody. People can wear whatever they want to wear. But at that time, in that mindset, that's where I was. And my mom, like, she started crying, and she was like, "Oh, I nothing was even really said. Yeah, there was there was even there wasn't even any dialogue." And she started crying, pulling out Kleenex. She was like, I, "Um, I think do you want do you want me to leave, Alex?" And I had the decision finally. I was like, "You know what? No." you're going to stay here and I'm going to listen to everything he says. But when all of that happened, I will say looking back, especially with my willingness to when I, when I was at that open mic with that coworker, I had to think, you know, cause I had some time before I went up, you know, I had, she at least gave me some, a moment of notice and I had to think about it. And I was like, dude, that night when your mama put that stunt on you, you want to do comedy. Like you, there, there's something funny about everything leaned up until you get in here. So why not? So once I got more comfortable with like talking about my, comfortable with my opinion, having, having like, uh, you know, twisting things on this side, thinking about like, you know, my relationship with, a lot of my comedy is about like my relationship with straight people, not just straight men, not women. I critique straight women. I critique straight, straight men. I also critique gay people. Because what I've always thought about and, and, and what, my, what, what I'm always like, what is my, what, how do I feel about my gayness as it relates to where I come from and what I've gone through, you know, as it relates to me being black, as it relates to me being black and being, you know, tired of only dating black, you know, dating, I'm like, okay, well, let's go out and diversify, you know, I need, I need to be able to live, you know, and I, I'm, I'm getting bored. So I want to see something new, you know? <laughs> and what, so how would you characterize... What was that? I'm sorry. No, sorry, how, how would you characterize your dating life in the, in the past eight years in New York? Were there, like, significant relationships or were you just having fun? It's a mix. But no, I didn't really get in... I haven't really gotten into anything serious since I've been here. There was one. There was one that had gotten serious. And... So serious, I was starting to live with them, but it was really out of survival. <laughs> I was in between, and I was like, you know what? He's really like, you know, but he really wanted me to play like, well, yo, when I when I come home, I expect things to be clean, and I want to like have food on the table and stuff. And I'm just like, who are you talking to? I'm like, I know you're not asking me to be a maid or like whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not that boy. Now, if you want that boy, you can go out and find that boy. So eventually I was like, oh, no, this is going to end bad. So I need to get up out of here. And I hurried. I, I expedited my moving process because I was slow walking for a long time. But there was one. That was one very. But I've dated. But I, it hasn't really been anything incredibly serious. Only because for me, it's just really been about comedy really took over. It mm-hmm. took over. I had to, like, get good at stand up so much that, like, if the guy, if the next guy didn't call me back or didn't text me back, I really wasn't worried because I had three spots tonight to do. So where I wasn't dating, I was at a comedy show. <laughs> and you have more material because this, the guy didn't. 
I mean, whether I had, yeah, whether I had the material from that person or not, it still was like, you know, I have other things to talk about that I want to get on stage and do. And I got three shows, two in one place, got to zip up and I got to go. I got to go to Caroline's and I got to zip down to this bar. I got to go to Knitting Factory in Brooklyn. I got to travel. So you're going to have to find me. You want to catch me in these streets. So sometimes I'll like, I'll, if I'm really feeling a guy, I'll be like, yo, just come, come to this show if you want. I really don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, a lot of comics, you know, straight and gay, a lot of comics are always kind of protective. And I understand that of like, eh, I don't really want you at a show yet, but I'm like, why not see me? You're watching me do exactly the thing. Now I can't go to your job, of course, which, you know, mm-hmm. fair is fair. Take me to the office if, if need be. I'm more than welcome to come to the office. I feel more than happy to come to the office where you work at. <laughs> but this is what I do. And you get to see my personality around other people. I get to see your personality around my friends and other people. I've had some people I've invited to shows. They started heckling. And and I was like, oh, wow. we don't need yeah. out. out. Yeah. <laughs> so during the lockdown, are you chatting? Are you on the apps? Are you like flirting online with anybody? It's a low, it's a low, low pressure time. It is low pressure. And I think I've t- I think I Dave, I think I have taken advantage of that that low pressure of just kind of talking and having conversations, being very pleasant. You know, some guys are short when it comes to the message messages. And that's okay. You know, people, I don't hold people to conversations that they don't want to have. So, you know, I, I got a lot of Tinder messages that have gone, you know, nowhere. But, you know, that's all part, like, dating apps are like, I, I see it like this. You walk, if you were to walk in a building, walk into the Javits Center and you yeah. pack it full of people, that you could be attracted to and it's a dating thing. Like you're going to like look the other way and have different conversations and kind of be guided in different directions. So, but also to that point, to the people on Tinder and these apps, y'all need to cut it out with these, uh, with these profiles with no pictures because I would never, I would never talk to somebody with a bag over their head and assume <laughs> that I'm safe. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't to, believe people are doing no pictures on apps in 2020. They're doing like headless photos and like, like, what do you what do you expect from me in that? What do you expect? You know, and I get people don't want to be out of the closet. I re, I understand. I respect people who are still in the closet because you don't know what the next person is dealing with with their family. Everybody, you know, everybody has to deal with it at their own time. But look, I don't have time for that anymore. I don't need to be stressed out. I was in the closet. And I ain't trying to go back in. So. <laughs> I need somebody that's going to have pictures so that I can see who I'm speaking to so I don't have to feel like I'm going to get mugged. Uh, <laughs> uh, Alex, but, we could talk. Sorry. There's something that I like and, and the feeling is mutual. Like that, I, that I, just, I found out. So I'm excited about that. So I may nice. be jumping off the soon. We don't know. We, we don't. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, please keep us posted. Yes. Uh, and... and uh, uh, before we let you go, would you do us a favor? Yeah. Open open Uber Eats and tell us your last McDonald's order. <laughs> oh, wait. I want to see might... if we're in sync in that way. You heard it all. I'm really not a heavy. I have a pretty consistent. I have a, I have a pretty consistent um, McDonald's order. Right. This is love awful. to hear it. First, it was the first thing that popped up. That's a shame. That's what we found. <laughs> um it's a, it's a double cheeseburger. No, it's a medium Perfect. fry. It's just a medium fry. And okay. it's a double cheeseburger. Now, on the cheeseburger, I'm very particular. I you, am too. You, you ha- I need extra pickle. 
Oh. And the extra of the onion. And that's it. Now, what's yours? You said you are too. Plain double cheeseburger. Haven't done it in 12 years. But I don't, I don't like hot condiments on my burger and I can't stand a pickle. That makes sense. That makes sense. I understand that. I understand that. Yeah. You can't stand a pickle on a burger? No, I hate it. I hate, I it. I hate a pickle across the board. I... But I also I also caught I also caught the shade. He's like I I had it in twelve years, but I still remember the order. You on the other hand, <laughs> <laughs> you on the other hand to get your shit together. <laughs> oh, but I think about it every day, and I might do it today. I, I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna be better one day. <laughs> and, and by the way, the reason I haven't been to McDonald's is that I live in a city with an In and Out. Oh, okay, you went. That's right. You went. You in California. That, that's right. in California. So it's not like I'm eating healthy. Don't get it. Don't get it okay. twisted. Fair. There. <laughs> Alex English, you are awesome. I can't. Uh, I can't wait for us to be in the same city. Same, same. And I can't I, wait. For I will follow you from done. gig to gig. I can't wait for this to be done. Like, yeah. Like this. Get it done. It, it, it's driving me crazy. I, this. This. This has been a great conversation. But Zoom. I'm ready to throw my laptop out into into the same. backyard. <laughs> yeah. Or sell it yeah. like you did the first computer to get to sell it. You know. Yeah, we'll sell there it. it. We'll sell it. You're right. There it is. Um, right. So I appreciate y'all for having me on. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for being here. here. You're the best.